I wonder if we can just stay in that attitude of worship where we're at. Um, we can get so used to church being, we come here, we sing a few songs, we listen to a preach, we maybe respond, and then we move out and move on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And as this week has gone by, I've just felt the Lord telling me like, I want to take your box and I want to shake that box. It's okay. His window's not open. It's broken. He was smashed and grabbed. There is no window. It's Stefan's car. <laughs> um, and there is just this sense that, um, that today the Lord wants to change just our mindset of, of what it looks like. And so I'm going to share something with us and then we're going to probably worship again and then we're going to, I might share something and... And so I want to just ask us to quieten our hearts this morning. Lord Jesus, would you come and speak? Holy Spirit, would you come and, come and fall among us? Would you not be the same? Would you come by your power, Father? So last week we were, um, I was sharing about how God wants to form us into his image, how he wants us to be made to look like Jesus. And then we saw this picture of Jesus with the smile on his face and, and the fact that our God is a, he's a joyful God. He's not this angry, I want to punish you type of God. And so I need you to bear that story in mind. And I need you to remember that picture in the back of your mind as I explain this story to you because it's very easy to think, well, you've just said that, but what he did didn't feel like that. And so I just wanted to give a little context is when Jesus came, one of the main things that he found himself up against in his whole ministry was the Pharisees. And everything Jesus did, there was this group of people. They were, they were like a religious sect. They were the guys who were trying to take political control of Israel and trying to control people. Jesus found himself always coming up against the Pharisees. And so very often we think that Jesus' main obstacle to overcome is sin. You know, I've done something bad, therefore God can't love me, or I need to change this. Or, but that is actually how Jesus dealt with sin was super simple. He came and he lived the perfect and a blameless life, and he gave his life, and he removes our sin, and he gives us his righteousness. But there is a certain type of mindset that he is consistently fighting against, and it's not those who come into church for the first time who've never heard about Jesus. That's not often where the battle is. The battle is those of you that would say, I know him. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I know about God. I've read my Bible. I've been in church a long time. I know a lot of stuff. Almost in essence that we could be fig trees with leaves. But is there fruit? And so there's this story of um, where Jesus, he, and remember, he's, everything Jesus does, he's showing his disciples by example. This is who I want you to be. I want you to be like me. And so before I share this, I just want to ask, Holy Spirit, would you come right now? Would you come right now? And so I don't want you to come to the front. I just want you to sit where you are. I don't want us to tick a box today. We can sometimes come to the front and worship and lift our hands and tick boxes. And Worship is important that we express it. But I want you to sit where you are right now and we're going to worship. Just one song. Just as you are. Because what you do isn't what ushers in the presence of God. He comes from His side. He is the initiator in our relationship. So if let's, we, we just, again, bear with me. It's going to be a different morning. Let's just worship. Let's worship as you're sitting, and then we'll carry on. Nothing else, nothing else. 
nothing else will do I just want you Nothing else Nothing else Nothing else will do I just want you Nothing else Nothing else, nothing else to do. I just want you. Nothing else, nothing else, nothing else. Says that so Jesus came to Jerusalem. He's just he's just come in from the triumphant entry. The whole of Israel have just come out and they've they've waved palm leaves and they've been like, here comes the king, praise yes, the son of David, and they, they're celebrating him. And straight after that, it says, So Jesus came to Jerusalem and he went straight to the temple. And after looking around carefully at everything. So Jesus arrives, he's celebrated, and the first thing he does is he finds the temple. He finds the place where the people of God worship. It's like this morning, he, I want you to see that in your eyes. Like Jesus wants to come and he just wants to come to us and our lives and, our, and he comes and he just looks. And he does nothing. And it says, and so looking around carefully at everything, and then he left because it was late afternoon. And he returned to Bethany with his 12 disciples. So he was there for a feast and he comes and he goes every day. And it's quite significant. So what happens is the next morning, Jesus is on his way to the temple again. And he's walking along a road and it says Jesus was hungry. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off. So there's this tree that is supposed to have fruit. It's got all the signs. It's like a Christian who has all the signs of being a Christian. They maybe don't swear or they go to church on a Sunday or they go to a com group every now and then or they live a kind of moral life. And he sees a fig tree far away off, but he could, and so he went over, but he could not find any figs. There were only leaves. It was only the appearance of what it should be. And so with a fig tree, the fig grows under the leaf. So you can't see it until you get really close. It's almost like that's the ability of the Christian. You, you can't really tell if it's genuine until you get really close because it's behind closed doors. It's in your personal life. It's in the closet that there's fruit in your life or not. And so Jesus comes right up to the leaf and he looks and there's nothing. And Jesus said, but no one ever eat your fruit again. And the disciples hear him. So it's a bit of this confusing moment. And I want you to bear the fig tree story in mind as we tell the rest of the story. And so then Jesus comes to the temple. So he passes the fig tree and he comes to the temple that he was at the previous day just watching. And he gets there. And this is not the same story as when he makes the whip and he whips them out. It's a different story. And so Jesus comes into the temple. And what's happened is there is a place where all the people from all the nations come. And it's the outer court of the temple. And anybody is welcome there, and everybody is welcome there. And the sick come there, and the lame come there, and those people, that area of their life, that area of the temple is where everyone is invited to come and join in. And Jesus comes there after being there the day before, and there's just money changes, and they're selling sacrifices, and they're selling offerings, and, and basically, you could come to the temple, 
And instead of bringing your offering, you could just come and buy one when you're there. It might cost a little more, but you could buy one. And you could just make an offering. It didn't have to be this. Previously in Israel, you would have to, if you were going to offer a little lamb, you would have to raise this lamb and then bring it with you. And so what the Pharisees were doing is they were just, there was this moment of you can just, you don't have to go through all the procedure. You just rock up and you can tick the box. You can just buy your offering and you can make an offering. And so this place where you could just come and tick the boxes substituted where actually all, all the outside, outside of Israel, all the nations, it's where they were invited to. And so Jesus comes in and says, he grabs those tables and he throws them upside down. And he chases everybody out. Get out, move out tables, kicks it, throws it, coins everywhere, a disaster. And this is what's so crazy. And he said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. And sometimes even the place of God in our life that is meant where people can come to, we can so quickly just replace it with ticking a box, coming to church on a Sunday morning, tick. Going to common on a Wednesday night. Again, I want, you to, I want to re-emphasize, Jesus is not this fuming mad, I'm coming to judge you. He's showing his disciples, this is not what I want you to be formed into. I'm looking for fig trees with fruit. I'm looking for a place of worship where there is room, where it's not just rituals and practices. And Matthew 11, it says, um, so Mark 11 and Matthew 11 are the same story. And then Matthew 11, it will say that after he did this, they brought all who were sick and lame to him. So he's just thrown out the, the tables and it says they bring all the sick and the decrepit and, and he heals them. And then he leaves the temple. And when he leaves, he's on his way back the next morning to come to the temple again. And it says, and he passed by the fig tree that he'd cursed. And his disciples noticed it had withered from the roots up. This fig tree was dead. And there's this picture that Jesus has for them. What you saw me do in the, in the, in the temple yesterday, that's the exact same as this fig tree. And he goes on to teach them about faith. And so I just want us to pause in this moment. And I want to say that like if you inspect the leaves of your life, the appearance that you put up, and you measure it, the fruit that is behind that. If Jesus had to come to you looking for, for fruit this morning, what would he find under that leaf? Would he find maybe we just, we just have the appearance of, can we turn the mic down just a little, sorry, um, it's a little bit loud. Would it be possible that he would come to our lives and just see the appearance of a relationship with him, but no fruit underneath it? And so we, let's just, again, we're not, no, no, there's no rush. This is not Jesus coming angrily to you this morning. It's not like, what, you aren't doing what I want. That's not how I'm feeling. And so I wanna, let's, let's just take a moment to, to, to weigh up your life. Weigh up what you claim to be a follower of and how you actually live that out. What is the fruit of my life of someone who calls himself a follower of Jesus, a believer? So as we, again, we, 
I, I want us to see this part of what we're doing with worship and, and sharing and is that we, we must get rid of the box. I go to the temple to tick a box. To worship is to come forward. No, to worship is so often it's when I'm singing to God, I'm evaluating my life and I'm, and I'm saying, God, where am I? Here's my heart. Here I am. And so as we worship, do that this morning. Weigh up your life. Weigh up where you're at right now with Him. Weigh up with what His Spirit is saying to you. Weigh up with, am I finding myself ticking boxes today? Do I lift my hands because I believe that you're up there and I'm reaching out to you and I'm saying, Jesus, I want you to lift my hands because I've done this for 15 years. put it up on a shelf on my wall and last night I was just spending some time with Jesus and the photo frame caught my eye and I felt like and it just looked so empty um, and I felt like the Lord just in that moment said to me like we do that we put up these beautiful photo frames and they look beautiful and they tick all the boxes of what a beautiful photo frame looks like but there's nothing in the center of it. He's not in the center of it. And I saw in the middle of my photo frame, I saw a picture of him. Um, and I felt like he just said, that's the place I want to take. I want to be in the center. Um, I don't want you just to have these beautiful photo frames where you're ticking boxes and putting structures in place that look beautiful and that are functional, but I'm not in the middle. I'm not in the center of it. 
You know, part of this story that's so significant is Jesus didn't come to clean up the temple. He didn't come and, do you know that they, the, most of the theologians who talk about the scripture say, probably within a day or two, things would have gone back to normal in the temple. After Jesus had kicked it over, maybe, maybe for the rest of that feast that he was at, everyone would have stopped selling sacrifices. But the week later, they would have started again doing what they were doing. And it's because Jesus didn't come to change the temple. He came to show his disciples, the ones that he was calling to become like him, the point of what he was doing is to say, I want you in your life. Forget about the temple and I'm not here to change the structures. I'm here to show you that it's your heart that I'm after. That for you, you would know that I would never, that's why they're the only ones who saw the fig tree. They're the only ones who saw him curse the fig tree. And so I want to say this morning, even as we are, as we go through this, as we, as we worship, as we hear God, as we read our Bibles, as we, Jesus is not talking to you people. He's talking to your heart this morning by name. It's not for the person on your left or the person on your right. It's for you. And so um, one of the things I wanted to highlight this morning, I just felt the Holy Spirit drop him as I've been preparing was that, um, you know, the offerings that, that you would come and buy in the temple very often had to do with repentance. And so what happens is guilt and condemnation so often f makes us feel like the only solution is repentance, which is right. But do you know that repentance can become a box that you check in your life? I do something wrong and then I just go to God and I just repent and then I just carry on. I go back to your life the way it was, and then I just tick a box, and I tick a box, and I, I tick a box. And, and repentance can so quickly become even the formula for when we feel like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm disconnected from God at the moment. I must just quickly come forward and repent and say, God, would you forgive me, and then move on. But actually, repentance is something completely different than that. It's the furthest thing from ticking a box and saying like, God, I'm sorry, would you forgive me? I want to be close to you. And that's amazing. But repentance is how we live out our lives in response to what he's done for us. It's so often even more, it's so much more than the words that you say. For so many people, when Jesus forgave their sins, they didn't even say sorry. Do you know that? There were times when he healed people in the New Testament. And I'm not saying, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm saying repentance is of God. But repentance is so much more than God, I'm sorry. It's actually God, I'm, I choose from this day forward to live differently. He would say, go and sin no more. Your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. And so I felt like uh, for a lot of us this morning that there's possibly even a repentance that, that the Lord wants to stir up inside of us. But it's not, God, I'm sorry. It's something of a heart decision. It's something of a turning. It's something of a, I don't want to be this way anymore. I don't want to just have leaves with no fruit. Repentance is not our way to get to God. Repentance is our response to His goodness. That actually, it's not that you need to come and say sorry because you're a bad person. Our repentance is because he is such a good person. Because he's such a holy, amazing God. And I want to be like you. 
and I want to be in relationship with you, and I know that you're incredible. And, and so for every single one of us here this morning, regardless of how you've come in, if you are feeling a disconnect in your relationship with Jesus, I'm asking you to weigh it up and repent inside of you, not because it's the right thing to do, but in response to how good He is to you and how loving and how kind He is. He loves every single one of you. He's not waiting for, to, for, for us to change so He can love us. As you sit here right now in yourself, His feelings towards you is love and affection. You might have just made the biggest mistake of your life. It doesn't change the way He feels about you. He's loving and patient and kind. And so I feel like I'd like us just to, just to again, let's just weigh up for a minute our hearts and, and where you find yourself when you walk with Jesus. sing about his goodness I don't want your response to be I'm so bad the response is you're so good you're so worthy you're so holy forget about you this morning Yes, you are, you're good, 
takes this moment to, he's teaching his disciples that your relationship with me is not, is not a routine that you can check off like the Pharisees have done their whole life. And that's why the Pharisees came into being. They, they came about from the rebellion and their whole plan was they were going to enable Israel to worship God without the temple. And then in that zeal, they end up being the ones who put rules and regulations into life so that if you don't follow these things, you're not serving God. And that is the same thing that we battle with in our lives on a daily basis because it's not the Pharisees that were the problem. That's the nature of man. We want to substitute, we want to initially we find God and we find this way to live which is to love Him and please Him and pour out our heart towards Him and then we quickly make that a formula or a method of like, okay, so that means tomorrow morning you've got to read your Bible at 3 o'clock and then do this and do this and do that. And we so quickly replace the life of God with systems and boxes and things that we have to do. And then the nature of that is they become very dead very quickly and we start to even resent those things. But Jesus has a very different way. And so in John 15 verse 4, this is now at the end of his ministry. And he's shown his disciples, I don't want it to look like this. <clears throat> I'm confident enough to say this to you this morning. I'm willing to, I'm willing to risk it. That if you check boxes in your relationship with Jesus... If you just do the right things on the surface, it is not enough that you could even do things of God and at the end of your life get to a point right at the end when you stand before him where he says, I didn't know you. That's the extreme of where it lands up when you just tick boxes. But Jesus did say, this is what, it, what, what I want you to do. This is how you bear fruit. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. John 15 verse 4. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's cut off from the vine. There is nothing a branch can do. There is nothing you can do that will produce fruit in your life if you are cut off from Jesus. If you are ticking boxes. If you are jumping through hoops if you're doing the correct Christian thing. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me because I am the vine. Last week we spoke about he is the potter. We are the clay. He is the vine. He is the source of life. We're connected to him. He's the source. That's why when we worship, we want to connect with him the source that's why worship is often that posture that's why when we say hey guys let's come forward and worship it's not hey guys let's come forward and tick a box it's guys he is the potter we're the clay he is the vine we're the branches let's let's sing about him and give glory to him and worship his name because he is the one that gives us love thank you Austin <laughs> Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. It's, do you know that Jesus even knows that to, to tick boxes and follow stuff and to live up to expectation is complicated and difficult and hard. And I spoke to someone on Wednesday night um, and for a, a few of the communities got together on Wednesday night upstairs and we just worshiped and, and a good friend of mine, Luke, shared something about God's love. And I, I spoke to someone and the response was like, do you know what? I came in tonight feeling like it's actually become quite difficult to be a Christian. 
It's this like, it can be so hard at times. And it's because we complicate it with, this is what it means to be a Christian. You got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this, got to do this, got to Jesus is like, no, 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 it's super simple. You remain in me and I will remain in you. And when you are in me, you will produce fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch. Such branches are gathered in a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words, my instructions, the things that I showed you, and I, I'm sure you'd be at this. Can you imagine if you were with Jesus, when he would say this stuff, you would remember the things you've seen. And my words will remain in you. Remember when you saw what I did in the temple. Remember when you saw that fig tree with no fruit. If my words remain in you, no, sorry. If my words remain in you, you may ask anything you want, and it will be granted. Because when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And this brings great glory to my Father. And it's like Jesus takes this super, what we can sometimes complicate, this walk with God of like, you've got to do this and do that and be on the right, and Jesus just makes it this very simple principle. And, and from here, I'd love us to worship. And I'm going to be done talking, and I'd love us to worship. And Jesus makes this complicated walk that we sometimes live super simple. He says this, I have modeled to you. Don't try and live up to my expectations. I have none. I want to walk with you today, this afternoon, tonight, tomorrow morning, in the day, at the end of the day, throughout the day, all the time. And if you do that tomorrow, do you know what? Fruit doesn't pop up overnight. You do it tomorrow, and you do it the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the day, and you start to live a life where actually instead of jumping through hoops and doing the right stuff, you, you, you start to live a life that is remaining in Jesus, and you start to bear fruit. You start to, it comes out of you. Repentance is fruit. Love for one another is fruit. A desire for God is fruit. And so we're going to take a little bit now. It's not going to be, it's not going to be a long thing. I want us to respond to him in worship this morning. God, I want to remain in you. And so we are. You can stand, you can sit, you can kneel, you can climb, you can whatever. Stand in your chair if you want. But I want us to respond in our hearts. You're the potter, I'm the clay. Draw me into you today. I want my life to move your heart. Glorify who you are. Sing, you're the potter. You're the potter, I'm the clay. Draw me into you today. I want my life to move your heart. And glorify who you are. You're the potter. And you're the potter, I'm the clay. Draw me into you today. I want my life to move your heart. Oh, draw 
you're the potter. Because you're the potter on the clay. Draw me into you today. I want my life to move your heart and glorify who you are. I felt, um, I felt the Lord wanting to remind us of how near He wants to be to us and. And even just the language in, um, in John 15, it speaks about being in him in us and us in him. And, um, and even just the, the, the fact that he fills us with his spirit, uh, the sense that I had is he, he, wants to, he wants to make a home in us, where he wants to dwell in us and be with us. And it's incredibly intimate and close um, language and concept and he's not far off we don't have to reach for him or find try and find him um, and there is I mean there is seeking in our relationship with him um, but that's something completely different in in that he he fills us with his spirit which means he's closer than the very air that we breathe that's how near he is as you take a breath and and your lung fills your lungs full with air that's how close he wants to be um, inside of us and, and this idea of home inside of us um, you, you, you get a house and then you get a home and a house might be functional but a home is where love lives a home is where life happens and, and that's what Jesus wants with each of us and inside of each of us sing worthy of every song Worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Oh, we live for you Jesus' name Jesus the name above every other name Jesus the only one who could ever say Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Oh, we live for you oh, 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 oh. And oh, there is no one like you There is none beside you Open up my eyes in wonder And show me who you are And fill me with your heart And lead me in your love To those
once wandered Everything changes I'm captivated I'll never be the same With just one love Everything changes I'm captivated I'll never be the same With just one love Everything changes Oh, I'm captivated Oh, I'll never be the same With just one love Everything changes Jesus, I thank you how you choose 
to just come and speak and, and show yourself to us. And we want to give you our hearts. We want to respond to you.